Cape Cod Voices podcast. We are kicking it today, and you are kicking it with Cape Cod Voices. My name is Miranda Els. I'm the founder, uh, co-founder and president of Cape Cod Voices, and with me today are two out of the other three ladies on our Cape Cod Voices leadership team, Chandler Els and Carlina Corey. And we are talking about black fishing. Did you guys like that intro? Yeah. Yeah, let's start our podcast today with a little check-in. Um, I, I'm going to mix it up. I think last time we said what we were grateful for, or maybe, I can't really remember, but I thought uh, a good one. The check-in today is going to be, what was your most proud moment of the week? Oh, what? That one's even worse than what I'm grateful for. What was your most <laughs> proud moment of the? This is these check-ins are to it's personal you know, get you into the. It is. I was like prepared with the grateful one. Um, <laughs> well, mine now I have it. to. You have to give me a minute to think of something. If you if you can think of one that isn't personal, you can do that one too. Uh, mine's really simple. Oh, then my, you go first. My proudest moment of the week is when I woke up early on a Saturday morning and I cleaned the kitchen. I did dishes. I took my dog for a beautiful walk early so she could have more time outside. You know, it's been getting so hot out there. Um, And yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just so proud that I got like a bunch of chores done in the house and the laundry and everything. Okay. My proudest moment is I did something new Um, I usually am too scared sometimes to do things by myself and go to new places by myself, but I went to a beach that I had never gone to before in Boston, which I usually don't like going to Boston by myself, but I did it and I drove in and I went to the beach by myself and I stayed there for like five hours, just completely alone. And yeah. That's awesome. Oh, that sounds so nice too. Yeah, that's actually really inspiring. Like when you share that, it makes me want to go do it. <laughs> I mean, it was a little boring. I'm not gonna lie. Oh. <laughs> I, I kind of, I kind of wish I wasn't alone. But did you bring I, a book? I did. I did bring a book, um, and then like a whole summer camp of kids just came in. Of course, they had the whole beach, but they sat down right next to me, so <laughs> I was like distracted, and I was, you know, just also not wearing my most family friendly bikini and I was like really scared to like turn around so you know what all bikinis are family friendly if you want to tell me that you have a bikini that's not family friendly then that family shouldn't be at the beach (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have bodies don't hide them okay Um, yeah what am my proudest moment I don't know you guys I guess it's got to be probably my I'm working on my weightlifting and I did an 80 pound hang snatch from the knee. My PR is 80 and it's been really limited by my technique. So being able to do 80 in a hang was pretty impressive from just like under my own standards. So yeah, I guess the only thing I can think about. I don't even know what I've done besides that this week. <laughs> exercise. I devoted my life to taking care of these dogs. <laughs> Okay. It's your turn. All right. Yeah. So today we're here. We're gonna be talking about black fishing. Carlina, this is a topic you wanted to cover. Um, I was kind of wondering what what inspired that. What made you feel like this is something you wanted to talk about now? I feel like I I was really inspired, I guess, by just a lot of things I was consuming 
particularly on TikTok. It's something I've been noticing for a while. And there's been people talking about it as well on there. So I just thought it was something to talk about. Um, so what is blackfishing, if you're unfamiliar with the term? But it's basically when someone who's not black um, kind of adopts certain attributes about themselves that would make them appear to maybe be biracial, mixed with black. Um, you know, they have like really dark tans, maybe wear a wig that makes their hair look really curly, um, have like an accent that makes it seem like they grew up in a predominantly black area when they're from like white suburbia. <laughs> um yeah, just a, a, adopting things that are typically part of Black culture and applying it to themselves and basically pretending to be Black, Black fishing. So it's kind of a puff of catfishing when you pretend to be somebody else on the internet. Yeah, I like this definition that I, I've heard before too, where it's, well, <laughs> it's on medical news today, but I actually really like this definition. Um, this form of racism depicts Black people as stereotypes and betrays Black culture as a product. Mm. And I also really like that definition because it talks about it's all it's about perpetuating and it's and showing stereotypes and also packaging those stereotypes to create an image or to market a product or, of Blackness. I think that's those are two like interesting parts of the definition as well. Also, like when you look up black fishing too, like yeah. they compare it to. Um, being a form of blackface, like more modern way of blackface. When we think about racism, we need to think of, we can't just think of the here and now, we need to think about the history of America. And when we think about history, we can see why black fishing today is still so harmful. Residential schools are schools where Native American children were forced to go into and unlearn their native culture and a lot of abuse happened in those schools we do not talk enough about that in america that's generational trauma where native families today struggle with like we have to think about the history of blackface and entertainment and that is just we can't look at it in just the lens of today it's it's way way more deep than that yeah i think on that podcast I was listening to, there was a guy who was saying, like, it really comes from, yeah, this idea of wanting to try on Blackness, right? Like, this, I, in a lot of ways, whiteness is built on the antithesis of Blackness. But this idea that there are actual, there are, like, good parts, too, that are kind of interesting to them. Like, what, how they want to define Black culture, and they want to try on the parts that are interesting to them. And it, this history in the entertainment world, in general, of trying on Blackness. And I went on to talk about it a lot, but, like, when it comes to blackface and minstrel shows, like that was a huge part of entertainment in the United States for a really long time. So for a long time, black representation and American entertainment and culture was, you know, through minstrel shows or racial depictions, it was often like white people trying to be black. And then actually it was really interesting. There should be this show and it was like minstrel show. It was like where they did like black voice. So it was like a radio show. It wasn't a TV show. So instead of black faces, black boys, um, but they wanted to put that show on TV and they ended up doing it with like an all black cast or wanting to do it with an actual, like actual black people, all black cast. And, um, but it was still really racist. And so it got it shut down eventually, but it was, it was the one of the only shows for the next 20 years that had an all black cast till Sanford and Son. 
Like, that's crazy. Uh-huh. But it's this idea, you know, you have, like, Black depiction and entertainment were really built on race. Um, and things, and it got so, or being racist, it's like, where do actual Black people stand in entertainment? And like that, it becomes maybe in some ways a lot of objectification and then also appropriation of their look, their culture, because people are so used to Blackness belonging to whiteness and that respect and entertainment. Period. <laughs> oh my god my crazy. that also reminds me of like how um like i don't know if this goes into like the cultural appropriation part of it i don't really know where it fits in but the show big mouth on netflix it's a cartoon adult cartoon um and i forget her name but i think jenny slate is her name maybe um she voiced one of the biracial characters on the show for like the first like four seasons and then once 2020 hit and there was this whole conversation about you know, all the things that are racist in this country, she stepped away from the part and she was like, you know what, I should have never voiced this character. It should have been voiced by somebody who actually is black or biracial. Um, Even though the character was like, not like she didn't have like a very black sounding voice. Like she had like this like little nerdy high pitched nasally voice. Yeah, she was I like a nerd. Yeah. She was like a nerdy Nindy character. Yeah. So it's like, it's just very interesting. Nindy. Like how even in those situations, like, I think people just got so scared of being labeled as, like, a racist or doing cultural appropriation that she just was like, you know what, I'm going to step away from this project. Um, and I think it's cool because I gave an opportunity to an actual Black, you know, voice yeah. actor to do it. But I just thought it was interesting because I, I don't know if I see the issue with that. Like, I don't know. Well, I think it's interesting. Like, when you look at it on its own, you know, it doesn't seem like there's an issue really. Like, right? Like, Oh, you know, you can kind of do that. But when you look at the history, like, you know, like we said, where all throughout history, you had white people being pretending to be black people in the, in media and in shows and which has been completely erased in a lot of ways that we don't realize how prolific it was. But, you know, and you look at this history where not only was it white people showing you black culture or showing you culture of people of color, but mostly black culture, um, so nowadays, if that was also taking jobs away from people, from Black people, it was taking them that away, that ownership of their story. And so when you look at it, I guess, like, kind of in the modern perspective, it's like, is it that wrong? But then you kind of think, like, well, now, yes, where you took, it, it took opportunity away from each other. I mean, took opportunity away from others. And it really also made it so white people control the narrative of what being Black and being bi- or being biracial really is. Yeah, or sounds like. And then on top of that, it's just like, you know, we we look at these shows and we identify it with uh, with biracial or black characters and then to find out that the voice actor is actually white. It's like, where's the representation? Where do I get to see me in the in the industry or, you know? Yeah, highlighted. a really good point. Yeah. Representation. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, OK, that character like. And we're looking at that character, seeing that she's like black or biracial, and it's like she's voiced by a white person. But mm. yeah, for me, that's like I agree with you a little bit. Kind of like, oh, that's a biracial person voiced by a white person. Like on the surface, it doesn't really seem like a as big of a deal. Like I, if I found that out, like I don't know. But for me, it's the lack of biracial people actually contributing to the character, or yeah. you know, and it kind of in my mind that makes it. Or like, and also taking away that other stuff, like uh, opportunity from biracial people, 
and making it's it more like, like objective, more objective. I feel I would I feel really disappointed when I find out that stuff. Actually, like I get really disappointed too because it's like you get to sit you get to say your cast is diverse. You get to show, oh, we're, we are incorporating people of color, but then you're like, oh, are you paying? Yeah. <laughs> are you, you're, people you're actually paying and hiring, are they all white? Yeah, you know I think that kind of, yeah. When, also, when you hear the word blackfishing, you hear it a lot with celebrities. So like, um, I know that the Kardashians are accused of blackfishing because um, they're changing their body. Um, they get they do um african-american hairstyle and braids like th- they're mm. very like popular um example yeah. i don't think yeah i don't think people talk enough about kim kardashian in particular because it wasn't really until kim kardashian came on the scene and had huge hips and a big ass um whether that was surgically enhanced we don't know <laughs> we can uh, we can assume but um and then you know she had this super deep tan and she always has her hair in braids and you know always dated black men it was just very much like she was like the OG of the black fishing when it came to celebrities and then now everybody's obsessed with having black women's features on their bodies but they're still only celebrated in people who are lighter skinned, you know? Um, and I just think that's like really interesting. And I think that family has just done a number <laughs> on like, I don't even know how to it's describe like, it. Like appropriating the culture. Like, yeah, it's just like absolutely crazy. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's, it's too like with celebrities getting fake tans and like having brown skin, which mm-hmm. like obviously on them, you know, they're not going to be discriminated against. And it's because, oh, when you get to choose to have brown skin as a white person, um, it's beautiful. But then when you're born a person of color, brown skin, you're targeted. People are like, you're oppressed. People are racist towards you. Um, Ariana Grande like get such dark tans and there was a tiktok or i had or a reel on instagram where like pete davison was like oh she went on like a magazine was talking about our relationship or whatever like he was like can you imagine that if i painted myself brown went on a magazine talked bad about ariana grande it's like literally like that is black fishing like it's been and also like i know she's also been doing a little bit of like asian fishing and that's also just all a fetishization of Black culture and Asian culture. Yeah, and I think that always goes back to like being like a trend. When somebody wants to have their sort of rebel phase, they always kind of adopt these Black traits. Like Miley Cyrus is kind of really known for doing that. Once she broke out of her Disney good girl facade, she you know had all these songs that were like heavily influenced by hip-hop and featured rappers and she had all black dancers and was twerking and just doing all these things that were like very inappropriate for a white woman to do and I think Ariana Grande maybe had that same shift um I don't really know what she was rebelling against I know she was on Nickelodeon I don't know if particularly this album had come out after she was done with like Sam and Cat but her album Thank You Next was kind of like very heavily um like there was a song she had did with two chains i think 
And during that whole era, she was super dark and had like yakky hair extensions, which if you don't know what that is, it's basically, it's generally a type of like braiding hair that people would use to get like braids. She was very clearly trying to adopt these black features. And now all of a sudden, like Chandler was saying, she's sort of doing the same thing with Asian culture. And it's just sort of like her obsession with Asian culture <laughs> is now coming out to play. So I think it's interesting because I, I do think that she is sort of adopting these different races and trying them on instead of just being the Italian girl that she is. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I'm like, I don't, I mean, you guys know me. I don't really know a lot about pop culture, but uh, so I'm learning a lot. <laughs> but at the same time, it really, to me, what I'm hearing too over and over again is like, that product side of this definition right like this marketing like with the mm. album right this is the feel we want for this album right like from with whether it's like Miley Cyrus trying to like uh start this new like rebel phase and that was her the category that was like the product she was selling was like rebel music and then you have like Ariana and she's going like with her each album she's like using a different race to have a different feel it's definitely mm. this objectification and stereotyping that's creating the product. And I that's, that's really interesting. Like yeah, and I, <laughs> yeah, and I really hate to say it because this is my queen and I love her. But Taylor Swift has also done this after her famous feud with Kanye West and Kim Kardashian, um, which if you don't know, let's play a little bit of catch up. So, I mean, the infamous scene where he interrupts her at the MTV music video awards years ago interrupts her speech to say that she didn't deserve to win and Beyonce should have won. Um, you know, she's like 16 years old. That's a very proud moment for her. And he completely just like tears her apart on stage. Um, so obviously since then, maybe she's not Kanye's biggest fan, whatever they've made up over the years. And he wanted to rap about her in a song and he called her and he recorded the conversation and he was like, this is the line that I'm thinking about. Like, are you okay with that? And she was just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's fine, whatever. Um, but he ended up changing the line and called her a bitch in the song. And she was not okay with that. That was not the line that she had approved. And Kim Kardashian leaked the video call where she approved it, but didn't really give the full context. And it was just this whole thing. Like, is, is Taylor Swift just using her white women tears, blah, 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 blah. So long story short, there's this massive feud. Um, Taylor Swift was public enemy number one because Kanye West has some pretty fierce fans that I think rival Swifties, honestly. I mean, they're pretty hand in hand. I mean, just the other weekend, uh, people were throwing trash at Kid Cudi on stage because he replaced Kanye West and they've also had a public feud. So Kanye West fans go hard. Um, yeah, so do. Taylor Swift really stepped out of the limelight for a long time. She didn't release an album for a few years, I believe, which was very unlike her. And when she came back with her reputation era, it was like all about snakes. And she has a few songs that I would say she's trying to rap on. And she's very heavily using like hip hop beats in her songs. And it just seems like, again, she's having this like rebel phase. Like she was America's sweetheart. For how many years like the nicest little country girl and now all of a sudden she has this huge public feud with a black man and she is trying to show that she's strong and she can bounce back and like and she has to do that by using black culture and i just think that's really interesting because i mean stereotypically black women get painted as being aggressive and angry 
But when Taylor Swift does it, it's like, yeah, like so brave. And she, yeah. this is also just reminding me of Gwen Stefani. Like she, oh, yeah. the like, oh yeah, the, take back what I said about Kim K. She's actually the OG black <laughs> or oh, cultural yeah. appropriation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Gwen Stefani made her money off of like Asian culture, literally so much Asian fishing. Um, as Carlina said, so she, you put it so well, like she's trying it on and now she is trying on um black culture with that song that we all looked at the other day can you can you remind me what it's called carlina oh, I, don't, I don't even remember but it's a a song with um sean oh, paul yeah. who's a jamaican rapper what's her name gwen stefani <laughs> what's her name you don't remember it's called light my fire um and so she's mm-hmm. culture appropriating she has braids um and also she puts on almost a jamaican accent in the song and you're, it's just like that is so offensive it's not a you know bl- black culture jamaican culture is not a costume it is not um something that you can just like pretend to be for one song and to have and to have that like a Jamaican accent too that I'm hearing in the song. I'm just like, it's very cringy. We is... looked it up, and she's from like Orange County, California. Yeah. <laughs> like, that just so there's the no point. mistake that she grew up around this culture. <laughs> it's really hurtful too because it's just like you can do that as a white person and never know racism, oppression, and having to grow up um, targeted. Um, met with violence even people wanting to literally attack you for being a person of color and be just because of your skin tone or your accent and you like and being bullied um being othered alienated um it's awful and so that you put it on like a costume is really really offensive Um, yeah it started giving me chet hanks vibes yeah and i i think it's funny that you guys mentioned that i can't help think that there's like maybe some type of sexism in this and as well but it's like i can't think of us of any men black fishing or like yeah. like we've been talking a lot about women i'm like which is which they need to we need to talk about this it's real. it's it's really harmful this appropriation this fetishization of cultures that white women are doing but i'm like why don't we call out men for doing it too they do you know like people have definitely like people called out eminem when he started rapping um things like that like there definitely are some rappers who are white who have gotten called out um there's a lot of men in like the k-pop scene who have been called out for appropriating hip-hop culture um the women as well anything like i think post malone has been sort of under fire for saying like really negative things about hip-hop when he's like a hip-hop artist himself and he's white you know he's not (laughs) appreciating the roots of the music that he's creating and like same thing with Iggy Azalea she was under fire for that as well um but I think yeah (laughs) yeah but I think to go back to Chandler's original point of like the sexism part I agree and it also reminds me of the fact that this is something that has always kind of astounded me and I think plays a part in fetishization of people of color is that biracial women are always going to be called mixed or like biracial women. Like, you know, that's just their thing. But when 
a man is biracial, he's just seen as black. I feel like that's not very common that like, for example, Obama, our former president, he's biracial, but he was called the first black president. He was never called the first biracial president. Like, yes. like he com- everyone completely <laughs> forgot about his white side. But Kamala, uh, Kamala is the first biracial vice president. That right? might like mm-hmm. literally be blown right now. Like, like, and I think it's because I think it's I think it's due to colorism, obviously, and the fact that um, women who are lighter skinned are seen as more attractive and seen as more desirable and more socially acceptable. And I think it also socially too. I mean, black men are always going to be seen as black men, no matter what shade you are. Um, and so I do think it also plays how black men are treated in this country also plays into that and how um I actually went and grabbed this book um it's by Ruth Ozeki she's a biracial um she's half white and um half I believe Japanese um she's like one of my favorite artists but this conversation really reminded me of um this book she wrote called The Face of Time Code and she it goes through and like just looks at all the different parts of her face and starts talking about like things that come to mind um and she talks about being biracial she also talks about this idea of being another race and being on how you get objectified from it and i'm trying to find that like but she did has one really this line where she talks about growing up in a connecticut in america she never thought of herself as half white or half american she says white american was the default so that half never needed to be articulated white american was not comical or joke worthy and there was no need to point fingers at it so, like, when it comes down to being biracial, you know, in America, right, like, this idea of being being white, like, we don't need to talk about that. We don't need to point that out. Like, that's serious. That's, you know, but when it comes down to being a different race, there were all these other ways, like, people are always going to come and remind you of that and think of it in that, on those um, stereotypical contexts. Yeah. So, that's, so, I think what the question I want to ask now or something that we can talk about is, like, so why is it okay for people of color to adopt whiteness or try to look more white passing. Ooh, girl! Yeah, assimilation. Yeah, girl! I mean, the difference, I think, a lot of it is somewhat, I think, started out as protection. And I see that with my own Cape Verdean grandparents where they wanted to assimilate and adopt these more white attributes like having straighter hair, um... And I don't know, just not really um, partaking in black culture as such, I guess I'll say. Um, And I think it's protection. I think they didn't want to be othered. They didn't want to be seen as like, oh, that black family. Like they just wanted to blend in as much as possible so that they wouldn't be judged. They wouldn't be discriminated against. Like if they blended in as much as possible, then people would see them as the exception to the rule and they would be palatable as black people. Yeah, hundred percent, Miranda. Less, like more accepted. Yeah, more accepted, less targeted for racism, for being alienated, or or even met with violence or attacked. Yeah. So I think that's like yeah. I think that brings up a good point, Chandler, because people always point that out, and they're like, oh. So it's culturally appropriating as a white woman when I put box braids in my hair, but it's okay for black women to wear straight haired wigs. And it's like, yes, actually, that's actually like 
okay because it's assimilating. We have to, or you know, not not that black women do that for assimilation purposes, but you know, they probably do get treated better when they have the straight haired wig on versus if they have their hair in like locks or something. Um, you know, yeah, and- assimilation removes the target from your back in a lot of ways. It also, I think, is expected of people of color. How many times do you hear, you know, you're in America, we speak English, right? Like, okay, well, obviously, with all the, you know, shut up. But, like, <laughs> that is, you know, that is, that is put on to people who are different, who aren't, you know, fitting into that default whiteness category. Is like, you should act more like us, like, more American, more white, or whatever. And so, it is, it's, the expectation is put on there. Whereas, usually, when it comes to being black or like nobody ever says that right if anything you also get chastised for it i think even as being a kid or something like if you i you know if you like are presenting as your culture people get it will make fun of you right it's like i think it goes back to a lot with, with what um ozeki said about this idea that like being white isn't something that people want to make fun of they don't think it's funny or weird they have like put the not mm-hmm. the those funny weird things that people want to talk about that's being first color because while while Gwen Stefani wears those braids in her new uh, music video with the Jamaican accent she's going to make millions of dollars while a bunch of girls around you know the U.S. were being suspended and getting detentions for wearing braids and literally it was like lots of schools all throughout the United States said Mm -hmm. you you can't wear your natural hair. You have yeah, to. Yeah, there was a boy who got literally the principal like cut his dreads off, which is yeah, like, or like usually um, disrespectful. I, I feel like I've heard this story over and over again, but like during sports competitions, I know there was a young man who was in a wrestling competition or boy. I don't. I think this is something I've heard multiple times, but like for him to be able to do the competition at that moment, they had to cut his bra- his braids or his dreads off. I mean, that's messed up. Um, but I think this conversation is a good shift, though. I do want to talk a little bit about the social capital of black fishing and why people maybe do it, especially on the Internet. Um, there's a TikTok user, Haley Colborn, uh, Halo Suelo, um, who made this really great video talking about sort of like the switch that's happened in modern day society where I think with our generation especially like we are very much trying to be very proud of our black roots and push against assimilating and pushing against appeasing white people and we're like we're out here we're black and we're proud right and for centuries you know if you even had like if there was like even a a whiff that you were black you know like the one drop rule like you were exiled in society you were like oh you're black right like you are not seen as white in society um and so people desperately were trying to prove their whiteness right in those times wanted to be as light as possible as white passing as possible now there's this shift where it's cool to be a person of color it's cool to be black it's cool to be mixed it's cool to be biracial cool to have that one drop yeah and i think that also like it's important to remember that like in this conversation that's our our privilege or like my privilege as being really light-skinned and not and I have that privilege where like I'm biracial and that is more trendy like the type of of like racism that is still happening to dark-skinned black influencers um you know when you think about tv shows like um love island like 
there's there has never been a fully black couple who has won and when a black um if one person is black um in the group i think last year maybe someone did the win that was one of the people were was black but they were very very light skinned um and so you're still seeing that it's like they're still so it's like it's still so oppressive and still so racist for dark-skinned people and so moving forward like like so yeah so it's like like when I do want to talk about my culture I want to like you know like show up like as myself as my biracial or um person that I'm a person of color I always have to remember I need to do it like where I am making sure that I am also like amplifying darker skinned black people and and recognizing my own privilege privilege being light skinned and also making sure that my the, the people that are experiencing racism more than me that their their views and their ideas a lot I need to listen to and learn from and I really need to center those voices the people that are experiencing the most oppression yeah which I think is an, like, an interesting point too because like you made a really good point that people aren't trying to necessarily black fish to be like darker skinned black they're black fishing to look light skinned and biracial and so i think we you know the three of us we are biracial we are light skinned like we definitely like i think feel like that um i don't know if it's like how to describe it but like i feel like i'm specifically very upset about it because i'm like they're they're freaking trying to look like me and like capitalize <laughs> off of that shit like yeah. and also it's like it's cool to maybe like appear appear up being like biracial or, or or like a person of color on tiktok or instagram or you know in a celebrity's doing it oh that's cool but it's like it's not cool when you're actually biracial and you have a job interview or and you know you're not getting job after job or you're not getting that promotion even though you know you're working harder than everyone you've ha- worked there longer you you know it, it's like that you're not when it's actually when you're actually biracial and you're in your the community and you're trying to live your life it's not cool to a lot of people around you when you are treated differently you are still discriminated against and people are still racist towards you yeah exactly it's like past this like it's not just a product just not the marketing not like in the picture whatever you know it's not about creating a brand or a vibe like you live this way every day and again that goes back to this whole idea that like you cultural appropriation and black fishing is about taking the aesthetic without understanding or pay or talking about or even considering what the other what it's like to actually be a person of color especially a black person or a dark-skinned person in this country it's also just unnecessary at the end of the day like i think there's just there's no there's no like there's no need for you to be that tan i just think you're doing it on purpose at that point right like you didn't just like fall asleep in the sun by accident and got super dark like you're purposefully buying that shade yeah putting it on your body it is on purpose I, I what you know like why are you wearing a wig like your hair is probably I mean some people obviously have hair issues and like that's fine but it's like why are you wearing a curly haired wig that makes you look biracial why are you wearing it like why don't you get a wig that looks like your actual hair 
Like, why do you feel the need to do that? Or why are you putting your hair in braids? Your hair does not, your hair doesn't do well with braids. That's going to rip out your edges. It's going to rip out your scalp. Why are you doing baby hairs? You don't have baby hairs. Your hair is straight, baby. Like, what are you, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, I think it's on purpose. It's like they're not on purpose trying to be black, right? But they are trying to have an aesthetic that is black, right? Like, that's yeah. the, the, it is on purpose. How could it? Just, it yeah. So I think a good way to, like, so I think what, what I want to talk about, what I want to talk about is how, how can we go from cultural appropriation to cultural appreci- appreciation? Like, how can people stop and think, like, oh, is this, like, kind of offensive? Am I kind of appropriating taking someone's culture? Or, like, how how can I appreciate someone's culture? Because I, you know, I think a lot of people want to appreciate it. But that's not, that's not showing appreciation. It's a, It's a deeper. We need to think more about the choices we're making when it comes to race, you know? Yeah, I think think is the best point you've made. Like uh, that's a good point. Like, how can we think more? Think more. Do it. Think more. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like there was there was like a whole controversy on TikTok where um, is it cultural appropriation to block to buy hair products that were specifically made for black people if you have curly hair as like a non-black person? And it was like, if that works for your hair, like I don't see how that's cultural appropriation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, maybe these hair products were specifically made for black women in mind, but every you know, all different races have curly hair. Like if you have curly hair and it works for you, like you're supporting a black owned business. Like good for you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's like that. That's, that's appreciating. Yeah, I guess that's like in some way appreciating, like even though I don't know if you can argue that like hair gel is like a cultural thing, but I just think like like... stay in your lane, I guess is what I want to say. Like if you, if it's not natural to you, then don't do it. And that also brings me to something I wanted to mention where there's like a trend where white girls are showing off when they used to have what they call their black phase. And when they were purposefully trying to look black and like, (laughs) Like, basically, people who admitted, like, hey, I used to blackfish, this is what I used to look like, and this is how I look now. And that right there proves my point that, like, you are doing that on purpose. You did not grow up in an environment that made you like that. You purposely sought out that environment, or you purposely sought out that aesthetic and put it on you like a costume. Like, the fact that that's even a trend, that there's so many people out there who have done this is insane. That's like, I could have lived my whole life without knowing about that and I would have been happier. I'm so sorry. (laughs) There, it's mocking. It's mocking us. It's, it's really, it's really offensive and hurtful. It's, that really hurts my feelings to hear that they think it's so funny to show that. And when, because I know, I know I'm thinking of girls in my school who were tanning and saying, I'm blacker than you. And then, and using Mm, the N word. That's a good one too. Yeah. And then calling me using the n-word and then Mm -hmm. and then and like making fun of me for being person of color and like teasing Mm -hmm. me and her like i i just now you can make a tiktok about how you used to be racist okay thanks yeah i'm having some like really awful feelings right now and i'm like i'm so sorry and i'm like trying to well because like i was telling this to chandler and i don't know if i'm gonna leave this in the podcast for everyone to know but like it's really reminding me like growing up like i was 
I don't, I mean, I want to call it black fishing, but like, I used to always be so jealous that Chandler's skin was darker because everyone would always be like, oh, you're so dark like your father and blah, blah, blah. And I always like felt like I was like in this in between where like we went to the grocery store once with one of our friends and the woman was like, unprompted, the woman at the grocery, uh, at the cash register was like, oh, let me, to my, my white mom was like, let me guess which one's your child. <laughs> and she was like, that one, it points to our friend. Chandler and I were both standing there and we were like,
you know, how hard that experience is to hear about this. And, yeah. Like, we yeah. have a lot of privilege being light-skinned, but there's also a part of being biracial that's like, oh, I don't belong in, on either side, in a way. Um, you feel, like, yeah, different from your family on both sides. And we get made, oh. made fun of a lot for saying that, like, because we do have privilege and, like, you know, as we keep saying, it's important to recognize that and no one's denying that we don't have a lot of privilege in this society, but that doesn't mean that we still don't struggle or that we still don't get microaggress or people aren't still racist towards us. Um, and I remember getting really upset about this a while ago with you guys. We were talking and I was so emotional just talking about how I'm so sick of people shitting on biracial people because... It is hard. It's not as hard as being darker skinned and being 100% black, but it's still really fucking hard. And it there's a different hardness to it. It's a different struggle. And I'll never forget, Augusta was like, don't pay attention to people who are making fun of it because they're not biracial themselves. They'll have, they will never know how it feels to be like us. They'll never know what it feels like to be you. So don't, you know, don't take it too personally, basically. She's like, don't take their words to heart because they don't understand it. And, and I then, have to say, oh, and that's why black fishing is bad because these people <laughs> can look, try to look like us all they want, but they'll never know what it actually feels like to be us. That's, I think too, like, so I was, yeah, I was just gonna say like, you know, how that, the other thing is it, it's like the thing that makes it hard, right? You know, like, when I, that woman asking it, it was like oh are you biracial and I was like yes and she's like oh that's hard in my head my first thing I go to is no it's not because what makes it hard isn't being biracial it's racism yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie like being yeah. biracial like I wouldn't I don't think I would have had all those issues with like my identity and where do I belong and you know am I enough like my mom or my dad if people weren't all, all around me being like you're different mm-hmm. you're different yeah. I can tell you're not white and I can tell you're not black like I'm I'm darker than you and I'm a white person but at the same time you're not a white person right like I, I don't think it would be hard without racism and the other thing I want to say too is like you know we talk about this this idea of belonging this idea of feeling like you fit in and or you know not having you know, and having all these outside voices being like, you're not white, you're not like us, you know, you're that, you're a person of color, no matter if you're Asian, you're black, you're biracial, um, Hispanic, like, you know, people, white people like to point out that you are different. And they'll never know what it's like to be that way and be different. And that's, that's the, yeah, that's where the biggest problem is when it comes to appropriation, when it comes to black fishing, you know, white people have throughout history, like we talked about, with blackface or you know any other type of interpretation of other races controlled that in entertainment in the media throughout time and without giving people true representation or really understanding what the actual struggles were and also not do anything to stop those people from having to struggle in the hard way and that is yeah 100 percent the problem i think you know you always hear like people are being so woke or trying to be woke in tv these days and blah blah, blah. like no, we're trying to spread out opportunity. We're trying to guarantee more success for people of color who have been held back through stereotyping mm. and productization or objectification of their race. So um, I'm just so representation. Yeah, we're trying to have representation and we're trying, instead of white people pretending to be people of color, we want actual people of color that we can see ourselves. Yeah, we want a well, representation in America really is not 
deep, sure. right? Like they are yeah. really just trying to paint a picture. It's again that it's a, it's all about the aesthetic. But when it comes down to it, are you really like are you really doing something? Are you putting in the work? Are you showing really showing people that are out there and giving people opportunity? Just you know, remember, think: is this cultural cultural appropriation or cultural appreciation? You know, you can buy art at an art gallery from different cultures. You can buy like products and pay black businesses. Um, you know, there's different ways you can show appreciate appreciate from afar. Go, yeah. We want our culture appreciated. We want. We don't want to be made fun of. We don't want people to dress up like us. We we don't want to be a costume. We want our identity to be treated with respect and to be seen, um, you know, as as a person, not as dress up. Mm. Period. Poo. Yeah. Also, capitalism is the problem. Oh. Poo capitalism. <laughs> Bye, guys. Oh, no, we're going to even talk about next time. I got to go eat my burrito. <laughs> Actually, this yeah, we recorded for a really long time. Yeah. So again, you know, it's called. Oh, let me just say once again, throw this joke in there anywhere you can. But never mind. It's not, what? It's not funny anymore. It's yeah. gone. Let no, us no. know what other topics you want to hear us talk shit about, or educatedly about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one day we'll do an educational one. <laughs> Let us know if you want us to be more professional. Yeah. That's racist. Yeah, let me know if we <laughs> swear more. <laughs> okay, I gotta go eat this. All right. Bye. 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 Love you.